We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. One thing that I encourage people to do uh, is to bring a Bible with them to church, uh, whether you've got the, the paper copy or you've got a digital device, uh, and really encourage people to read along in the scriptures as we go through it, because I think it helps you get more out of it. I think it helps you take it deeper and personalize it and, and know God in a greater way for yourself. So we're going to be in Luke 10, 1 through 11, if you want to go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on with the person next to you. Uh, just That's not that's usual. You can do that. Just say, hey, can I, can I look on with you? Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 11. There's so many things that I am encouraged about in this season in our church. Um, I, World Mandate, if you were there, it was just an amazing time. I think we had more people involved in World Mandate than, than ever before. And, and we got so many responses from people saying they want to take a step forward in their relationship with Jesus. They want to live on mission with Jesus and build his kingdom. Just really excited about that. Out of that, uh, you know, our training school just started up, our discipleship school. And I believe this semester we have uh, 45 or 47 students that are saying they're going to set apart this semester really to seek the Lord and to grow. I think that's our biggest class ever. So that's really exciting just to see the way the Lord is stirring up hearts for who he is and his purposes in this season in our church. And we've been learning from in Luke 10 about this calling that we have as disciples of Jesus. If you're a, a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple, you have a calling on your life. And part of that calling is that you're called to build his kingdom by making disciples. That's what we've been looking at the last few weeks. We've been learning about that. We're seeing that all of us have a part to play in that mission. Every single one of us has a valuable part to play in making disciples. God's desire is to redeem and heal the entire planet, the entire world. God's heart is for people, for nations, and for the nations of the earth. And the way in which he is on the move in our generation is by people living as disciples of Jesus and making disciples of Jesus wherever they find themselves. And so we're learning about that together, and I just uh, am amazed at the potential as we pursue this of what the Lord will do in and through us in the lives that will be impacted as we learn how to make disciples, as we learn how to engage in this mission that Jesus has given us that gives meaning, lasting meaning to our lives. So we're going to be in Luke 10 today, and we're following up on the question, well, how do you get started in making disciples. How do you get started making disciples? If you've missed a couple of the last weeks, I know a lot of people have been sick. I encourage you to go back and listen on the podcast, but today we're focused in on part two of how to get started making disciples. So if you look in Luke 10, starting in verse one, it says this, after this, the Lord appointed, that's Jesus, appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And so what we see here in this first verse of Luke 10 is this picture of what Jesus is doing, that he has taken this group of individuals, he's called them to be disciples, and for the first nine chapters of Luke, they're just following Jesus around. And now here, starting in chapter 9 and again in chapter 10, he's beginning to send them out 
to make disciples. And it's important for us to understand what in the world does it mean to make disciples. That's what these disciples are going to do. We see as you read through the whole Gospels and into the book of Acts that this is something that becomes a priority in their lives, a key way that they see the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus spreading throughout the earth is making disciples. But what does that actually mean? Uh, if you've ever wondered that question, I think when we talk about discipleship, a lot of times what I know goes off in our minds is we think Yoda and Luke Skywalker, right? Yoda, the wise master who is teaching the young Luke how to use the force. And we think to make disciples, I need to be like a spiritual, like a Jesus Yoda. And I need to find a Luke Skywalker in whom the, the future of the universe rests in their hands. I need to teach them how to use the force. And we kind of think that and be like, well, I'm definitely not a Yoda uh, Jesus Yoda, I have a lot of issues and problems that I'm working through. Um, I don't, you know, I'm learning how to use the force myself, so to speak. Like I'm learning to walk with Jesus. And, and so who am I to do that? And I don't really know any like future of the universe hangs on your shoulders type people. I just know my friends, right? We're, we're good people, but I don't know about that. And so we can just get confused in this. And I want to point out to you, what does it mean to make disciples and how do all of us have a part to play? So to make a disciple simply means this. And I encourage you to write this down and carry this with you. To intentionally help someone else find and follow Jesus. What does it mean to make a disciple? It's to intentionally help someone else find and follow Jesus. So it's an important clarification that we're talking about making disciples. We're not talking about making disciples of ourselves. We're not talking about making disciples of, our, of Antioch or a particular church denomination or group. We're not talking about making disciples of America or a Democrat or Republican. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about helping people find Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. That's what we're talking about when we're making disciples and doing that with some intentionality. And so when you see that, it's like, oh, Maybe I don't have to be Yoda. Maybe I can be me and maybe I can follow Jesus and maybe I can help someone else find and follow Jesus. You see immediately how this becomes something that we can all play a part in. I've found that these type of relationships, these discipleship relationships, they're typically three types. The first type is kind of a, a brother on brother, sister on sister type relationship a peer relationship where both of you are inspiring one another to run hard after Jesus. I experienced this in my own life. I, I started to follow Jesus with, with sincerity when I was a freshman in college. And at the school that I was at, I don't know that I knew a single person who went to church. I thought through it. I don't think I could think of a single person amongst my friends who went to church. But I had a friend from high school who has started following Jesus a little bit before me, and we were buddies. We'd gone to school since first grade. We'd played basketball together. We, we, we were close friends, and he was following Jesus. And so we began, he was at a different school, we began to email in typical guy fashion, you know, two to three lines max, an email, short, sweet, to the point. But he began to tell me about how he was growing in Jesus. 
And he had gotten involved with a group on his campus that was teaching them, teaching him, and they were teaching him to memorize scripture, to take Bible verses and commit them to memory. Now, I had never heard of anyone doing that. The only memorization I had done was, you know, for class when you had to memorize a poem, you know, in some literature class. But he was telling me, no, they gave us a list of scriptures and we're working each week. We're memorizing a new scripture. I was like, wow, I'm going to try this. And so I got the list from him and I looked at it and I memorized the first scripture. It took me a little while, but I, but I committed it to memory. Then I memorized the next one. And I would walk to class from my dorm and I would repeat these scriptures in my mind. I would just kind of go through them. I would say them. And when I did, I experienced this peace and this joy that was like very tangible and noticeable in my life. I didn't have a lot of joy in my life at that time, but I began to experience this joy as I meditated on these scriptures that I'd memorized. And it was life-changing. I later learned that that was the presence of God meeting me as I meditated on his word. And it was my buddy who showed me, helped me follow Jesus in that way. And so we would inspire one another. As I grew, I began to have some, some stuff to contribute to the relationship in that regard. But together, we inspired one another to grow in our faith, to follow Jesus in greater and greater ways. He is still one of my closest friends, and we still have that type of relationship today. That's a discipleship relationship. That's helping people intentionally find and follow Jesus kind of at a peer level. A second type that I've seen is older brother, younger brother, older sister, younger sister. That kind of is it, someone that's a little bit older than you are, or maybe you're a little bit older than they are. My wife and I, we have four kids, and it's amazing to watch the younger kids look at the older siblings and follow, mimic what they do. They learn by watching their older brother and sister. And that's kind of the idea is that there are people in our lives, maybe someone is in your life or, or you're in someone's life that you're, you're a little bit further down the road. Maybe if you've been in Jesus a day, they've been in Jesus an hour. If you've been in Jesus a year, maybe they've been in Jesus six months. If you are, you know, 25, maybe they're 21. If you're 30, maybe they're 26. Like it's just, there's a little bit of a gap in age or spiritual maturity, but it's not much. And it's the type of thing that you can inspire and encourage and help someone find and follow Jesus. I remember experiencing this in my own life when there was a guy at my school who graduated and he got a job as a nurse and he said, you know, I want to I do nursing by day, but I want to leverage my free time toward making disciples of college students. And so he initiated with a handful of guys, me included, and he said, hey, I want to do this group. I'd love for you to be a part. We're going to meet every other Tuesday for a year. So if you're in, I want you to commit for the year, and we're going to learn how to follow Jesus together. I'd never been a part of something like that uh, in that way, but I said, okay, I like this guy. It sounded exciting. And so I went, and there were five or six other guys there. Uh, I knew a little bit, and he said, the, the, the guy that had initiated the group, he was maybe four years older than I was, he said, hey, tonight we're going to share our life stories with one another and how God has been at work in our lives. Now, I had never done that before. I had never been in a place where you did that before. It's entirely new to me. 
And the first guy who went, I realized really quickly that he was not sharing the sanitized, polished, best foot forward version of life. He was very vulnerable. He was very raw. It was the good, the bad, the ugly, and the uglier, you know, and it was just all out there. And it was such an amazing experience for me because I'm like, I've never been around this type of authenticity before where people were just transparent with their lives. And again, it was one of those situations where I remember just experiencing the presence of God as we met there. It was amazing. And we would meet uh, each, you know, every other week, and there'd be something new we would do each time. So maybe one time it was we would worship the whole time we were together. The next time, maybe we would talk about fasting, and then we'd actually fast together. That was new to me. Uh, we would do new things that the, the leader, I realize now, I thought he was Yoda, but I realize now he was just reading the Gospels and, and picking kind of what the next story in the Gospel was and saying, hey, here's what we're going to do tonight to follow Jesus. We're, we're, Jesus did this. We're going to do that. And it was so inspiring to me. It helped me grow tremendously. That was an older brother, younger brother type relationship. I experienced this a few years ago, actually. There was a, a business guy here in town who works downtown, investment banking, and he initiated with a group of younger guys to say, hey, I want to invite you to go through this book with me at lunch on Tuesdays for the next six weeks, and I'll buy your lunch if you're in. I was like, okay. So we go down there and we go through this book about how do we build the kingdom in our workplace. And he was maybe 10 years older than I was, like an older brother. And it was awesome. And I think back on how many different life groups or small groups or discipleship groups I've been a part of where someone who's a little bit further down the road had initiated saying, hey, let's get together and let's learn to follow Jesus together. And let's be inspired in that together. That's an amazing type of discipleship relationship. And you might have those opportunities in your life. Third type that we see in the Bible, we see an experience, is the spiritual father, spiritual son, spiritual mother, spiritual daughter, where there's kind of a wider gap in age or maturity. Uh, there's a big gap to where it literally could be like a father or could be like a daughter, right? This one happens a little bit you know, later in life when someone really could be your, 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 your child, and that's a different type of relationship, but it still is around finding and following Jesus. I was at a family reunion yesterday, and my uncle was there. He's in his 70s. He's retired. He loves Jesus, and he was asking me about the church, and I was telling him, I was asking about his life, and he was telling me some of the different things that he's doing. He said, you know, one of the priorities that I have is to mentor younger men. And so I really spend a lot of my time trying to mentor young men. And he said, I've got this one guy that I met in my church that I've mentored him for a number of years. We've, we've been together so long. Now my role is more of a support and encouragement role to him. I have another guy who's getting started in a new venture, and I'm meeting with him for encouragement and helping him follow Jesus in that. And then this cool thing happened to me the other day. I was at my coffee shop that I go to. This is my uncle talking having my breakfast and reading my Bible. He said, this is what he does most every morning. And he said, while I was reading my Bible, this guy came up to me that I didn't know. And the guy said, uh, excuse me, sir, I know this is really weird, but I felt like God wanted me to talk to you. So my uncle was like, I don't know if this is going to be cool or crazy. So, you know, just go ahead. But the guy said that he had been praying for a mentor and he saw my uncle reading his Bible and he said, you know, would you mentor me? 
Well, now the cool thing was my uncle had been praying to Jesus previously asking him for one more person that God put one more person in his path to mentor. Because been mentoring two guys, he thought he could do three. So he was praying for that. So then here comes this guy that's like, would you mentor me? And that guy's young enough to be his son, right? And so it's more of like a father-son, spiritual father, spiritual son. That can happen in a female version as well. But those are kind of some discipleship relationships we see in Scripture and that you might have experienced in your own life. And I believe that those are things that God is calling us to as disciples of Jesus. That's what Jesus is sending his disciples out to do. In this case, it's not a spiritual father, spiritual son, spiritual mother, spiritual daughter. Like they are, you know, a couple steps ahead of the people that they are going to minister to. Like this is not, you know, I'm a double, you know, I'm a black belt and you're beginning. No, no, this is like, I've been following Jesus for a couple months, maybe a year. And, you know, so I'm not that far along, but, I, but I have, I've got something I can give and I, I can point you to Jesus. That's what's happening here. And so he sends them out and he tells them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We talked about that last week. Uh, and then in verse three, he said, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or bag or sandals and don't greet anyone on the road. So he's sending them out kind of on this mission where they're vulnerable. They're going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit. And we talked about prayer and depending on the Holy Spirit and making disciples last week. So you want to go back and listen to that if you weren't here. But in verse five, Jesus does something I find amazing. When we think about making disciples, the first thing I'd go to is, well, what should I tell them? What do I do? How do I do this? Jesus actually starts with, I want to teach you who to look for. I want to teach you who to look for in making disciples. And that's really important to realize is that we don't just impart information. We don't just teach people to find and follow Jesus, but we're looking for the right people. The people that God has ready, God has prepared that are open and receptive and wanting that. And Jesus is going to describe what those people are like. Now, if I was doing this, if I was Jesus, I probably would say, go out and look for the people with the biggest social media following. Go look for the richest person in town or go look for the most messed up person in town because if something happens in any of their lives, right, that's how we'll change the world. Jesus doesn't do that. He gives some very different instructions. Let's look at it together. He says, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. Verse six, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Verse seven, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. So get what Jesus is saying here. He's sending the disciples out to new places and he's saying, you're going to meet people there who are going to have you into their home who are going to feed you, who are going to give you drink, who are going to give you shelter, right? They're going to be hospitable. They're going to, and this is the first R, they're going to receive you. And the first thing that we should look for when we're thinking about making disciples, who would God have me disciple, is who in my life is receptive to me, to you. Not everyone is going to be. We wish everyone was, but not everyone is going to be. But I guarantee that we all have people in our lives, maybe it's a cousin, 
Maybe it is a neighbor. Maybe it's a, a person at work or uh, someone on your basketball team or, or a, a fraternity brother, sorority sister. We all have someone that is receptive to us. You can tell that they listen to us or respect us or they're open to us in a way that maybe other people aren't. That's the first thing that you need to look for is who is receptive to you. That's what he's telling his disciples. The second thing is not just that they would be receptive to them kind of, uh, uh, you know, just relationally, but that they would also receive their message. So they'd be receptive to them. They'll receive you and they'll receive the message. That's that deal about the peace that we're going to get into. It's a little bit strange when we look at it like, am I really supposed to walk into a house or a room and say peace to this room or peace to this house? And then if that connects with someone, they're going to you know, hold it. But if not, it's going to come back to me. That seems very ethereal. Like what is going on here? The big idea, we're going to talk, we're going to break it down smaller, but the big idea is that these are people that are receptive, not just to the disciples, but they're receptive to the message that they're bringing. The message that we bring is a gospel of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace, right? So these are people that one way or another, there's some sort of connection here that they're like, I'm not just receptive to you, but I'm receptive to this message that you're bringing, this message of peace. Now, I've seen this happen in a couple different ways, uh, and you might experience this in your own life. The first way is really a spiritual connection. Uh, I, I've seen this happen a number of times. One, you know, uh, that I want to share with you is uh, my wife and I were at North Park Mall uh, with our kids, and we were there. We were in a particular kind of higher end store where you, you know, you enter through those to get to the other stuff. We're walking through, and there's a lady behind the makeup counter, super put together, very well done makeup, looks really sharp, and yet we just had this sense like, I think you need to go talk to her and talk to her about Jesus. Now, that's an intimidating thing or a scary thing, you know, unless you're the type of person who just likes to talk to anyone. That, that can be like a little intimidating. Uh, but my wife, she went over to her, and she just kind of struck up a conversation and said, hey, I want you to know that Jesus loves you, and I believe that Jesus answers prayers. There's only way I could pray for you. I mean, very simple, you know, statement. My wife is very sincere, and the woman, much to our surprise, just begins to cry right there. Just, I mean, tears coming. And she begins to share with my wife. Said, I've never told, I'm not told anyone this. I'm a single mom. I've been struggling to make ends meet. So I've been doing uh, illicit activities to try and cover my bills. And I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. But I can't tell anyone. Uh, but I felt like I should tell you. Wow. That's not just receptive to my wife, that's receptive to the Lord, right? So my wife was able to share with her about the forgiveness of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Pray with her. This lady is just, I mean, crying, crying, crying. There are customers that are coming up trying to buy makeup. She's waving them off, sending them away. I mean, it's just, it's a powerful moment. It's not always like that, but that's an example. And I think for many of you, that may be a way that God uses you in finding people. It's just this, you just have this sense. I even think some of you have had this sense, but you haven't known that that's like, oh, that's the Lord. That's the Lord giving you insight, spiritual insight into people. That's one way. A second way is a little bit more 
practical, a little bit more um, just, it'll make sense to you. In In the days of Jesus, Israel, the nation that he was in, was under Roman rule. Roman Empire, think Caesar, think gladiators, they're the rule of the day. And they are occupying Israel. Israel is this tiny little country, this tiny little people, and they hate the Roman occupation. They do not want to be occupied by Rome. And so what was in the air, the vibe that was in the air, the spirit that was in the air was, we need to violently revolt against Rome. We need to violently overthrow them. If you study their history, there's all these uh, uh, revolutionary groups that spring up with a new violent plot to overthrow this huge empire. And that was what was in the air in Jesus' day. And Jesus is sending not a message of violent revolution, but a revolution of peace and of love and of reconciliation and a new hope and a new future and a new way of life. Very, very different than what the popular vibe was in Jesus' day. So when he's sending his disciples out and he's saying, hey, I want you to go out this peace that you're carrying from me, this message of peace. When you go into a house and you start talking about it, it's going to be very obvious if that person is receptive to the peace that you're talking about or not. It will either connect or it won't. And that's one way you can see, are they receptive to your message? I experienced this when we lived overseas. I remember getting into a taxi one day. And we lived in a country where it was 99.99999% Muslim. And I got into this uh, taxi and the driver looked at me and immediately was like, are you a Christian? And I didn't know where he was coming from. I didn't know if this was a good thing or a bad thing or an in-between thing. I wasn't sure, but I said, yeah. And he said, I've been looking for you. He said, I went to college in Libya. I had an Egyptian roommate. He had a New Testament. He was a Christian. I remember reading some of that when we shared the dorm room together, and I moved back to my country, and for the last two years, I've been looking for someone like you who could explain to me what the message of Jesus is. Wow. You talk about someone that's receptive, right? I mean, it's like, wow, God's already prepared this guy. I mean, he's hungry, right? That's who Jesus is saying to look for. And listen, that's not just some halfway story around the world. I've met people here in Dallas that you talk to them and you find out, man, I've, I've been thinking about this stuff. I, I, I've had these questions like, God's already been at work in their lives and you're just stepping in as one part in the process, one part in this story that God is working in them, right? That's a way they receive the message. A third way is someone's already a believer and you wanna help them follow Jesus in greater ways, so you cast that vision, And some people will want that, and some people won't. And so that might be a way where you're saying, are we we aligned vision-wise? Are we pursuing the same thing? Are we wanting to run hard after Jesus, right? They receive the message. Third R that we see here, remember Jesus told them, stay, don't move around from house to house, stay where you are. Now look in verse eight. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Think about this. How, if you go into a city, a new city, and you find one house that you're supposed to stay in and not move around, how are you going to heal the sick of the city? 
I can see how you would heal the sick in that house. Like, that follows. How are you going to heal the sick in the city? Well, the person that you meet that receives you, that receives your message, they're also going to refer you to others or refer the message to others, right? Just imagine and put yourself in the shoes that, that you go into someone's house, they're receiving what you have. Wow, God is changing my life. And they're the ones that are gonna go get their cousin, their brother, their sister, their boss. So you gotta come here this message about Jesus, right? They're the ones that are going to refer you to others. These are the types of people that Jesus said to look for. And it's interesting that Jesus is saying, rather than trying to go after the many, I want you to go after the few that receive you, receive the message, and refer you to others. And through them, I'm going to reach the many. Does that make sense? That's the type of person that we're to look for in making disciples. That's so exciting. So here's what I want to leave you with today. Next week, we are going to talk about, okay, well, once I've found someone, what do I do? Y'all remember the, the first person I tried to help find and follow Jesus? I didn't know what to do. So we started in the book of Revelation, and it was very challenging and confusing, and he was as confused as I was, right? Uh, the other guy, I, I prayed that he wouldn't show up because I didn't know what to do in the meetings. I felt so nervous. Next week, we're going to learn from Jesus, okay, the, the kind of the, the next piece that I need is what do I do when I find someone that maybe, maybe are, are these three R's. But I want to encourage you this week to be in prayer and to be asking the Holy Spirit to lead you, to show you, here's the person, here's a couple people, here's this, this person at work or this person in your sorority or, or this cousin or whatever it may be, who are the people that God's put in your path that he wants you to help find and follow uh, Jesus? Now, you may be here today and you're like, well, that's all well and good, Zach, uh, about making disciples. Um, I'm not really sure I am a disciple of Jesus. Uh, you're talking about this message of peace. I, I don't know that I have that peace that you're talking about. And I want to speak to you for just a moment. I want to share with you a few things uh, that I think will really help you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're like, I don't, know, I don't think I've found Jesus. Or maybe you've been out away from him for a long time and you're trying to come back. I have good news for you. God is more eager to reveal himself to you and for you to know him than you are to know God. Like he is a loving father that is pursuing his people. And Jesus came, God came, the maker of man became man for you and for us and for our salvation. That this gospel of peace is that Jesus brings peace into our lives because we encounter in him forgiveness of sin. We encounter in him new life. We encounter in him real hope. When he went to the cross, he made a way for your sin and mine to be forgiven. When he rose again from the dead, he made a way for new life to be breathed into our lives. He gives us forgiveness of sin and new life, a living hope. 
the way we receive this is not by trying really hard, not by being a really good person, but simply saying this is how good it is, simply saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I need your forgiveness. I need your peace. I need your new life. Come into my life, Jesus. I want you to be the, 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 the king of my life, the boss of my life. It's that simple. We put our faith in him and we find him there. And then we begin to follow him. And I just want to invite everyone to bow your head for just a moment. And if you're here today and that's you, you're like, man, I, I, I need that then I want to invite you in just a moment to raise your hand just as a way of saying, yes, that's what I need. And I want to lead you in a prayer. And this will be kind of a private moment between you and the Lord. There'll be time to tell people publicly, but just to give you an opportunity. So everybody's head can be bowed. And if that's you, uh, if you would just raise your hand, I want to pray with you today. Uh, Last week we had some people responding. I want to see if there's anybody here today that God's working on your heart and you need Jesus. Hey, I want to lead us all in a prayer. If you raise your hand and want to respond or, or you're just here today and you're already a believer, I want to lead us in a prayer that we can say together um, that is for all of us. So if you just bow your head, uh, Jesus, we want your forgiveness. We want your new life. We want you to be our king. <laughs> Fill us up, Lord, and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If that's you, you're going to begin to experience this new life in Jesus. That's really exciting. And for all of us, this is such good news for us all. And I want to lead us now as we, uh, as we respond to communion, to lead us to go into God and to respond into the good news of the gospel again and again and again. So the way that we're going to do it is we'll have efficients up here at each of the three aisles. They'll have the elements, the bread and the cup. When you're ready, you can come forward. You can take of the bread, take of the cup, return to your seat. The worship team is going to lead us in song. And then when you're ready, you can take communion. We'll close with this last song. Uh, I just want to invite you to stand now. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the new life that you give. And thank you for the mission that you give to us, Lord, to be a part of building your kingdom, that we have something greater than ourselves to live for. And we come to you today, Lord, and we thank you again for your great love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.